I'm Dr. Gene Hemsler, and you're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. For more than 25 years, my associates and I have been providing straightforward, no-nonsense advice for your financial questions. Email us at drgene at hemsler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Read. ...in the dollar... ...it's a late rally on Wall Street... ...too big to fail... ...growing the economy... ...growing the economy... It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Monitor. Good morning. What up, fam? You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on radio. I'm Troy Harmon, your host today, along with uh, Jacob Keen and the one, the only, Jarrett. <laughs> McKenzie. I'm wondering if he was going to get it right. No, no, I get it right. What oh, have I, I not gotten it right? Never. You look right. like you was having I a... know this guy. I was, I was wondering if I should say from parts unknown, but uh, you oh, always yeah. keep us clear as to where you're hailing from. And Absolutely. Paulding County. God's country. That's right, right out of Paulding <laughs> County. This guy. That is right. I'll tell you what. Glad you to be thought. back. Uh, but you're one of the few people from Paulding County that's actually ridden a bird. Uh, I think we learned about yeah. a week or a couple of weeks ago. you got to venture out every now and then. Yeah, you know? you've been downtown riding a bird. You, you believe in that, Jacob? Yeah. I, I mean, you've you've done a Superman off a bird before. Yeah, yeah, I took a spell <laughs> once. Yeah, you hit I a haven't curb. been back at it yet. You, of course, you're supposed to wear a helmet, but I don't know if they'd have one in Jarrett's size. No, no they yeah. don't. Well, you can, I don't need one you can probably buy a Homer bucket from Home Depot, cut <laughs> two eye holes in it, pop that baby over hey, his head. The the bird account is not in my name, though. Okay. No, uh, no, okay, no, so, you, so you can't be tracked. Yes, of course. <laughs> can't be tracked. Uh, how you long did it take for you to talk your wife into this, I guess, is all I'm going to have to ask. Oh, she was actually the one that talked me into it. Yeah, uh, I think the story that you had, and I'm going to just out you right here on the radio. Yeah, please do. That's what it's for. Uh, you carrying a purse riding a bird? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Of course. Not the only was, man in Midtown doing that, though. Well, probably not. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. Yeah. Just no. trying to blend in. I, 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 I see that. Uh, you know, I see that. Gotta, a chameleon, this that's guy. That's right. A chameleon. That's right. It's, it, it, we're talking to a man right now with a, bra- a blaze orange shirt oh, on. Oh, yes. The chameleon. You love it. Yeah, well, he's Where up, in, hunt, in, he's up in hunting territory here. Oh, so. is that it? That's right. He's closer trying to trying to keep a low profile. Closer <laughs> to his deer stand. Yeah. So he's got to wear orange. All right. Well. Uh, although you could argue that's a coral, Troy. True. Coral. Yeah, I guess which would match with the purse. You could argue just about anything you wanted to. <laughs> Whether or not it's true, I guess, it's going to be left up to everybody else. All right, so uh, this show is about finance, not so much about Jarrett, but, you know, Jarrett's, uh, Jarrett's a fun topic, no, no matter who you are. Um, we've gotten almost through earnings season, which would be, you know, our current reporting of fourth quarter results. 477 of the 500 S&P 500 companies have reported earnings growth 12.03%. That's a pretty solid number, much of that from energy at 9305. Wow. Yeah, yeah and a, a nice nice surprise from the estimates, too. If you look yeah. 
basically uh, we're pacing at three and a half percent over what the estimates were. Yeah. And kind of inside inside of that, it's like the earnings season has been great, but a little of what we've been seeing through this season is a little bit of coming down on the guidance. Oh, absolutely. That's that's one of the main yeah. themes. You hear the analysts talking about it. A lot of companies are saying, you know, it looks like a slowdown. Yeah. So um, you'll have a company that beats on earnings and the stock's down, and it's like, what's going on? Well, mm-hmm. you look at the call. It's always guidance. They move, yeah. Yeah, they move yeah. their guidance down. Right. Um, but, it, you know, you can still see the guidance uh, wasn't sufficient to let the, like you said, we got an earnings surprise of 3.5%, meaning that analysts expected it to be less than we saw, yeah. you know, as far yeah, as on the growth side. So eight and a half, nine percent 9%, and we're at 12 Right. Now. Yeah. We saw. Yeah, it's good stuff. And performance so far this year. I mean, we've yeah. gone up in a straight line. I mean, yeah, we, we've had another, we had another some volatility. positive week. I mean, if you yeah. listen to me every week at the end of the show, as we sign off, we always say market up or down. I always tell you I'm a broken record. The market's going to be up. It doesn't always pan out that way, but yeah. we know from history, and this is the reason I do it, by the way. I'm cheating. <laughs> uh, statistics tell us that the market's more likely to be up in a normal week than down. Yeah. So, and there's, uh, kind of, there's kind of two different stories <clears throat> Depending on how far you look back here, you look year to date, you got industrials up 18%, tech up 145 Right. That's a lot of, you know, a cyclical bias, even energy, really, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, the high, highly cyclical names. Whereas you look at year over year, we, we've got utilities leading up 20% and yeah. real estate <laughs> right behind it. So it's kind of like... The yeah. rate sensitives, the bond bond like yeah. sectors. Like yeah. you said, year to date, S and P up over eleven percent, eleven point six as we speak. Um, utilities still up a, a respectable seven point six seven on the year, but they must not have taken the dip that we saw from June or uh, from September twentieth down to December twenty fourth, which mm-hmm. was almost twenty percent. Uh, utilities didn't participate in the downturn because you look at the one year, like you said, 20%. It's yep. a pretty amazing uh, change for uh, for such a normally mundane. Yeah, well, uh, with, all, with all the negative guidance, like you were saying, too, I mean, it's good to see that it's still holding pretty steady on this climb to uh, start the year. So hopefully that'll continue. Yeah, no doubt. Um, speaking of that, uh, we still have that belly of the curve, uh, the yield curve inverted. Um, the one-year Treasury is still yielding you more than the two, the three, and the five-year Treasury. Uh, middle of the week, we had the one and the seven on parity, meaning they were yielding the same amount. So uh, in, in the last few days of the week, we saw uh, that change a bit with the seven-year catching a bit of a, uh, a bounce in yield, meaning it sold off a bit. The price is inverse to its, uh, to its yield. Um, right, and and part of the reason that we track this is because it is typically a recession indicator when you get yield curve inversions. Most of the time, we'll track like a, a two-year and a 10-year. Right. You know, a 10 minus a two-year, if that gets inverted, that's been a reliable signal all along. That right, it's 100% of the time, right? Yeah, it's happened every time. But we were bouncing around the idea this week, Troy, and that we looked back in basically the past few recessions, the past handful of recessions. Since the early see, 70s. Yeah, when we see that yield curve inversion, what we've seen is that inversion has been less each time. So right. if you go back to 2008, or really before 2008, yeah. leading into that recession, all we got was a 16 basis point inversion. Right. So And that started in about 06. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, there's, a, there's a lead time to this. Right. There's a lead time to this. 
as we're as we're seeing now, you know, inversions in the belly of the curve, the question is, is that going to be a reliable signal this time around when we've already seen that trend? And one of the ways that I kind of like to think about is what percentage of the curve is inverted. And I think right now we're talking about 25, 30 percent of the curve is inverted, which right. is it's know, all historically pretty hot. Each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess the the takeaway in that is. Let's not ignore the fact that we haven't got, you know, the true s- signal of a, a 10, 10 two. minus 2. But, I mean, the yield curve is telling us, you know, risk of recession has risen you right. know, in the and past year, let's say. Right. And just to clarify, the 10 minus 2 we're talking about is when the 10-year is yielding less than the 2-year. And right. it does all kind of things. Probably one of the main pieces is it discourages banks from making loans. Yeah, because uh, why would you lend out longer when you're getting compensated less? Right. And and when you think about how people, most businesses formulate their capital plans, they're not borrowing money for the next year or two. They're borrowing money right. for the long term to, <laughs> to buy something that's going to take a while to get paid back on. Right. I mean, most projects, you don't get paid back in sure. a year or two. It yeah. takes oh, yeah. a while. So, but, but the methodology they use is borrowing short term so that they can borrow at a lower rate, but they'll just right. roll that loan to them, the, yeah. the borrowing that they're doing to, mm-hmm. to lend to you. They yeah. roll it a lot of times before the 30-year right. mortgage comes Because they're charging more to you than... Right. It's the <laughs> concept of net interest margin, if you <laughs> yeah. ever look at banks. Um, but, you know, this this leads clients to questions, Jarrett. What, have you had yeah. questions well, about I mean, yeah, what's a going lot about on? The, as I'm talking about the yield curve, which is a lot of what you guys just said, you know, and we're, I've told them on a number of occasions that two in that 10-year, the inversion there... That's what I've seen you guys and heard you guys, you know, in the past talking about 100% of the time that that's happened in this country. We have seen a recession within, what, 18, Usually it's within months. 18, yeah. Yeah, so, okay, so if that's the case and it's not inverted yet, but, but obviously we're getting close given the current levels, is it possible to have a recession without that inversion? Because as you guys said, it's getting smaller every time, right? Well, so a lot of that is because we've seen interest rates decline. Think about what sure. interest rates were in, in, in the 70s. When we saw the inversion, the level of the inversion was about two and a half percent. As that rate has come down, which you know we're talking about overnight lending rates right now, the Fed's target rate is two point five percent. So, mm-hmm. you know that's significantly lower than it was in the early seventies. I mean, we saw sure. fourteen, fifteen percent being a pretty common uh, right. overnight so lending have, rate. So, have we seen in this country? Do you that do you know if there have been recessions without an inversion? It's never happened. No, but but we've also not seen interest rates as low as they are we, today. Yeah, we sure. also had never seen so, a Fed funds rate at zero. <laughs> While it has it, not happened, right. and it in is the possible. seventy in in eighty two, remember we had a Fed overnight lending rate of nineteen and a quarter percent. Could you believe that relative That's to what insane. we have today, two and a half percent? I mean, these are these are pretty amazing numbers when you think about them. And I, you know, while we've never seen it, it really wouldn't surprise me if we had a recession, you know, based on the facts that we're looking at and how mm-hmm. how much lower current uh, rates have been. It wouldn't be surprising to me if we saw a recession without that ten minus two going truly negative, as close as it's been in recent months. Is mm-hmm. 0.14%. Today it's around 17 basis points. So 0.17. It's gotten a little better, but you know, honestly, not significantly better. Uh, when we come back, we'll have a dog of the week. We might get into a little economic news and uh, uh, situation. You're listening to Money Talks. 
time for the Dog of the Week. Dog of the Week this week is um, more like Chicken of the Week. This uh, story. Oh, you you know how passionate I am about chicken. Chickens, yeah. The chicken <laughs> cycle we talk about yeah. all the time. I don't know if this is a chicken riding a motorcycle, bicycle, <laughs> whatever it is, but Jacob has a. Thing oh, we'll have to do another show on that entirely. It, oh, it, it would take at least a show to get through the chicken cycle. I, I don't, oh, I don't can't know wrap my head around it. A chicken of the week. <laughs> I don't think so either, but this one is actually based in technology. Uh, this comes out of a NPR newscast online. Um, but basically, it's saying that there's a company in uh, China, Chinese insurance company, Zong An Online. They've outfitted more than 100,000 chickens uh, with a tracker. So this comes from um, just a way that, and, and they would include this information basically on the packaging of the chicken that you intend to eat. Um, it would tell you how many steps the chicken has taken, whether it's oh. free range, what it might have eaten, uh, where it's from originally, whether it, you know, it, if wow. it were a pin raised chicken. Now, if you really want to know all that much about a chicken, <laughs> I, I wonder. I mean, I'm sure that PETA is still not going to say this is a good thing, right? There's still well, be a chicken. lot of people that would eat that up, though. Yeah, literally. you got to think. Eat it Speak, up. Speaking Technology of, on your chicken. They got that out in Paulding County. They will. They, they will. Yeah. Speaking of steps, you got to think you'd want the chicken with the least amount of steps. Was raised like by a beach, so like very low stress. Laid, you know? laid in the sun a lot. Yeah, laid in the sun. It was already cooking the whole time. <laughs> yeah. You know. Well, let me let me drop this little tidbit on you. See what you think of this. They are working on technology for facial recognition of chickens. Of chickens. Now, I have seen a lot of chickens. In fact, I used to live out there in Paulding County myself. Villa Rica. Good man. South Paulding County. And uh, I always made it a point to have me some yard chickens. And I had to make it a point because there's lots of hawks out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think there's an owl or two that might be have uh, fattened themselves on the chickens that I bought. (laughs) I always bought game chickens so they'd survive a little bit better. They got a little more grit to them. But... I can tell you, I've looked at a lot of chickens. I've never had them slow down long enough to look me in the eye too long. But facial recognition on a chicken? Really? I just don't know why that'd be necessary. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I hate purpose? to say, you know, that every chicken looks about the same to me, but I'm is, sorry. Is there some benefit way. that we're not thinking about? Well, looking. it's making sure that the chicken that is in the box that you're getting all the details on wasn't cheated. Like, it would take into account that the chicken that you're being reported on is the real chicken that we're dealing with. Now, I don't think they ship them head on. That's not their intent. Uh-huh. But they would marry the technology to facial recognition to make sure not only does this chicken have uh, a GPS tracker on its leg, which is what the technology would do initially, which is what they're doing now. Uh, they're saying by next year they'll have this uh, at 2,500 farms in China wow. uh, where they're tracking all the details of your chicken, but um, so you get so you get like a picture and a bio and like astrological maybe, sign. Maybe, yeah. I don't know if it's like they, speed yeah. chicken dating. Well, I don't know if they're dating at this point. I mean, <laughs> the, the only date they've got is dinner at your house. <laughs> but uh, well, in all seriousness, though, I think people probably want to see a lot of a lot of steps instead you know, of the free range. There, that's a that's a big thing. Seems like uh, it makes instead them of tender, tougher, yeah. the more they more they walk. Instead yeah. of tender, it'd be clucker. 
<laughs> Clucker. I mean, yeah. Now, you know what? A couple of weeks ago, my dog of the week was Tutter. Tinder for cows. <laughs> it's, I'm and it you, was farmers that were trying to find a good, maybe a good yeah. uh, match for their yeah. farm. And it had all the details you're talking about. So this is turning more and more agriculture as I go. And they but wonder why technology, we've fallen since the industrial age. Yeah. <laughs> technology is actually being implemented in, in unnecessary all ways. manners of ways. Uh, well, I mean, agriculture, but I mean... Wasn't it your opinion that this chicken thing is going to be eaten up? And I'm using air quotes that don't match well on the radio, but the reality is. By green conscious consumers, yes. But if that happened, if that happened in the U.S., would you really want to know where your chicken came from? Oh, I don't care. (laughs) I don't want to. I don't either. I I would pay more to not know. (laughs) (laughs) If there's a vastly different price, then okay. You know. Well. You know, this this kind of chicken is probably going to bring a bit of a premium, what yeah, do you think? Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, there's a lot of folks, if they want to verify that they're chicken, uh, you know, the, the headline on the story takes it even a step further. Here we go. Uh, the chicken is local, but was it happy? Oh, man. Was it happy? Now, I mean, we're going to have to psychoanalyze that's that chicken. That's what the facial recognition's for. I mean, is is the beak frowning or is it smiling? I think they're, I think they're pretty rigid. <laughs> I, I mean, every chicken I've seen looks like the same chicken uh, from five minutes ago. I don't, yeah. This is just going too yeah. far. I, yeah. I believe so. But All right. Anyway, hey, let's... Uh, Speaking I, of chickens and chicken houses, we got uh, new residential construction. That's residential, not <laughs> agricultural. But we did. People houses. There yeah. we go. From chicken houses to people houses. A yeah. uh, little bit of a disappointing report there. Yeah, we've uh, seen a good bit of weakness yeah. in the housing market lately, the yeah. last few months. Uh, that's down 10.9 from December of 2017, so a full um, year ago. Down yeah. 11 from the month prior, so yeah, a lot of weakness steep. recently. But then if you look at house prices overall, I mean, we've seen a slowdown in housing starts and construction. But right. the price look at house is. prices, they've held steady. I mean, we're at 4.2% year over year um, in December. That's a little down from the 4.6 in November, but hanging in there. And I think consumers are... Go ahead, Troy. I think the mortgage rate's probably a lot to do with that. Yeah, price. well, you see, uh, we've seen a rebound in mortgage applications recently. Yep. Um, so maybe it's going to take a bit for it to feed through, but we'll yeah, see. That mortgage application is, is a weekly report, and it increased 5.3% uh, in the week. The uh, purchases index ticked up 6.1%. Refinancing was up as well at 46 It's still amazing to me that people are refinancing it. 4.3% as low as they got, you know, we were down in the 3% yep. for a long, long time. But, you know, people's situations change. Maybe yeah, their credit score improved. Coming off a variable rate or something. I know those are Could starting be. to cause a little bit of trouble for some. Yeah. So you know, trying to get know. out of it. And still, I think it's still reasonable to lock it in at these rates for as long as you possibly can. You know, yeah, so. that 4.3 still looks cheap to me. Oh, yeah. And it certainly will in five or ten years, I guarantee you. Right. Um, other we than got, that, big news. Yep. GDP came out this week. Um, Big surprise to the upside. Yeah, 2.6. 2.6. That's after 3.4 in the third quarter. Right. Which I think is the fastest rate since 2005 for yeah. consecutive quarters. Survey of economists expected 1.7%. Yep. Uh, so it, it beat socks off of that. But it's, you know, that, that 1.7 came down really quick right before they reported because I looked at it, you know, earlier in this week. And it was around the two four, two five, 
yeah, that, that we came in at. So it's, you know, I don't know what economists decided that they were seeing. And this is the first report uh, for our fourth quarter. Um, there was a bit of a lag anyway. It should have been reported in the end of January, but we had the government shutdown actually delayed the report by yeah. a month, basically. That's happened with a lot of different. And the the one other thing I wanted to hit on, uh, Troy, because, you know, we mentioned the yield curve before. Um, but one of one of the other main indicators we look at is jobless claims, unemployment right. rate. If yep. you see an uptick in unemployment, that's typically a pretty strong sign that something's changing in the economy. Sure. You know, and what we saw is a pretty steady rise in jobless claims the past few months. But that's come off a little bit, um, which is, you know, encouraging. Yeah. Overall. Right. If you see it move back in the other direction, we yeah. still... Moving what, averages started to move back down in the past few weeks, right. which is... Yeah, these jobless claims give us a... And, and it's a, a weekly thing, but it gives us an indicator as to to uh, where we would see employment situation move. Yeah. Uh, so it's still like increasing, that. just not at a higher, uh, no. higher rate? No. Or we, is it actually moving backwards? The now? moving average has moved Contracted down. Contracted a yes. little bit over yes. the last so week. So we, we went from like 1.65 on continuing claims to we're at about 1.75 now, but that we're coming off that 1.75 level, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's a bit of an improvement, but it, again, you know, there's often a good bit of noise in these indicators because yeah. it's a weekly thing. Yeah. You know, you get so many sure. reports and it, you well, kind of got to back up and take the four-week moving yeah. average. The four and the 12, best. yeah. Well, see. but combining those results with, you know, the the, uh, the all these other leading indicators, like we were just talking about housing and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just generally uh, some of these companies reporting, like Home Depot, for instance, missing you know, all and this together, lower. right? Exactly. I mean, is that you combine it? Yeah, one of them might not might not look so bad. The GDP, for instance, you know, that was a lot higher than we expected it. So, yeah. does earnings, the one, earnings decent still? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, I just wonder uh, what what might we see from what's happening when you got four, five, six indicators all right. kind of pointing one direction. Well, there's one or two that are maybe not yet, but part of this I might mean, be reactions to Fed talk. I mean, you would expect that that's going to be a little slower to get cooked into the pie, yeah, but I, yeah, but their their conversations they're having is, you know, they're they're going to be patient from here on out. Right. Um, you know, what we we had talked about being quantitative tightening, they're already saying could be the first step where they just stop that plan altogether. Basically, they've been buying. Uh, or, or allowing, they're not buying back uh, bonds that they bought for quantitative easing. In fact, they were letting them roll off. We got to 4.4 trillion uh, in assets on the on the uh, FOMC uh, treasury, not the treasury, sheet. but the Fed tr- balance sheet, yeah. and we're back down to around 4 trillion. Huge change, right? <laughs> um, but anyway, it is a it is an improvement. You're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back. When you have money, you start investing in your future. When you start investing in your future, you start worrying you'll make mistakes. Oops. When you start worrying you'll make mistakes, you can't sleep at night and watch infomercials. Pick up cat hairs from clothes. When you watch infomercials, you think you can get rich by placing tiny classified ads in newspapers. <laughs> 
When you place tiny classified ads in newspapers, you subscribe to those papers to make sure your ad is running. When you subscribe to a bunch of newspapers, they pile up at your house, making it look like you're not home. When you look like you're not home, Girl Scouts don't come to your door. When Girl Scouts don't come to your door, you don't get to buy Girl Scout cookies. Don't miss out on Girl Scout cookies. Get rid of get-rich-quick schemes from infomercials and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. I just added quite a bit to my Girl Scout cookie uh, collection there. Yeah, well, you got a whole bunch of 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 folks to feed. It is, and that's the reason (laughs) I did it. It is uh, definitely the season for Girl Scout cookies. You can't go to a a retail location and uh, grocery stores and all those places and uh, not see a troop of Girl Scouts. Mm-hmm. On the weekend, especially, trying to peddle their wares. That's right. Uh, I know, uh, you know, I've got a daughter that's involved in the Scouts, and she's sold uh, quite a few cookies over the years and still selling strong. Um, I'm eating a few of those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. They're, it's all I, I've never stuff. been able to not take down the entire box in a day. So <laughs> yeah, you wait. open it, it's time to go. There's <laughs> something, they, they've got an, an, an addictive quality to them for yeah. sure. Yeah, there you go. All right, so you're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jacob Keene and uh, Jarrett McKenzie. And uh, if you wanted to, you could give us a call and you can have us answer your questions on the air. Uh, we have a question hotline. You can reach that at one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. The way it works, you call in, you get our recorded message, you uh, uh, leave your question and whatever else you would like. We play the question on the air and answer your question right behind it. Uh, if you'd rather talk to a human being, you can call us at 770-429-9166. Ask for our radio show uh, producer, Kelly Lynn. She will be happy to get your question to us. Um, and if you don't want to talk to a human being at all, you can just email us. Dr. Gene at Hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S. LER.com. Uh, you can also answer your own questions if you'd like. Go to our website, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com, and uh, we've got quite a few uh, articles that are posted there. Uh, you can even hear this radio podcast from uh, from the website if you missed a week, which doesn't happen, I'm sure, ever. <laughs> no way. Of course. Um, but uh, if you were to miss one, you can go and find us there. So, uh, guys, we got a, a situation we wanted to talk about this week. Uh, Stacy, a potential client, came to us, said uh, she had invested in target date funds um, in her 401k. It's pretty common practice these days. Um, but she had rolled that out of the 401k plan. It's now in an IRA. And uh, she thought she was doing well as she had spaced out her, her uh, TDFs to, to keep some invested, uh, some invested growth for longer investments. And, um, you know, she's got a list of um, different funds. funds yeah. That, yeah, she's got different dates like a Prudential 2025, BlackRock 2030, and a Fidelity 2035. Those numbers indicate uh, her target retirement date. So what, uh, what works, uh, what happens in these funds is basically it's on a sliding scale. Yeah. As you get closer to your retirement date, you get fewer equities and more bonds. But there's uh, there's a potential problem with that. And I guess, uh, sure. you know, leaving you guys, let's well, talk about it. Well, I think first and foremost, I mean, the reason 
you'll see target day funds inside of 401k is because if you sign up for a 401k, you don't allocate it. They got to put you in something. Right. Um, so typically what's going to happen is they're going to, they're going to put you in whatever target day fund is whatever your estimated retirement is based on your age. And it's usually they'll just use when you become 65. Yeah. Right. So it's the assigned default option. Right. right. In the plan. Yeah. And, and that's probably a better thing than we saw in the past where it was just basically a balanced fund, which was like buying a very short term bond that yielded you somewhere between uh, inflation and less than inflation, which actually doesn't if you're not beating inflation, you're not even protecting the purchasing power of your your assets that you're saving. So it's target date funds are better than that balanced option we used to see, but they are definitely the default. And it, they sell it as a one size fits all, but it's really not. No, it's no, it's not. And, and there's a there's quite a bit of nuance here. I mean, looking at looking at your typical target date fund, let's say you're in your mid 20s and they're going to throw it. Let's say today you're in your mid-20s, so they'll throw you in, what, a 2065 right. target date fund? Well, if you actually dig into what's in that, typically for someone that's 25 and, you know, 40 years from retirement, we'd want to kind of allocate the portfolio entirely to equities and focus on the equity asset classes that are going to have the highest expected returns. Smaller for instance. Companies smaller companies, emerging market companies, yep. these sorts of things. And when you actually dig into what should be their m- most aggressive allocation, a lot of times those are still going to have some bonds in it. Right. And they're going to still have a bias towards large caps as well. Sure. And then to the other end, let's say you're someone who's in your 60s, right? Yeah. You're gliding down that glide path. They're putting more and more bonds in your portfolio over time. Um What's going to end up happening is if you look at those the tail end of that, where they're taking a lot of it, a lot of times it's it's still being a little too conservative because you'll end up with an allocation that's half bonds or even more than half bonds. When right. in reality, the money that you need mm-hmm. over the next handful of years is nowhere near what they're reserving against that. So I guess it's first understanding that target date funds are really made for the sort of investor that's going to make one allocation and that's it. Yeah. You want to allocate your 401k and never look at it again, essentially, which I wouldn't advise for the average investor. Right. In this situation when where you're owning multiple different target date funds, that really doesn't make sense to own a 25, a 30, and a 35. It's yeah. Even if you're creating decided, a very yeah. confusing blend. Yeah, but you know what? A lot of folks take the fact that these are part of uh, of what is being offered through the company 401k. They feel like they're getting diversification by buying multiples, and this is one of those cases where you're really you don't not. Need to do, yeah. The diversified portfolio is already it's, put forth for you in the 2035, say. Right, right. You know, so, and the, the, uh, if you were to look at target A funds or compare, you know, uh, the, the parent companies, you know, whatever their offering is, one of the things that we look at, Troy, is you're looking across, you know, multiple different target dates. You want to determine which one's the best, right? Right. You're looking at risk-adjusted returns in, in that instance. And right. How do you compare, a, you know, 2035 with a 2040 or one company's target day fund with the other well you're not just going to look for the one with the highest performance because that might be the one that's got more equities than the other one you want to look at 
how they stack up risk adjusted. But uh, Jared, I want to get back to what I said initially, and that w- when we're talking about being a good ways mm-hmm. from retirement, I mean, we we have a philosophy here that sure. Well, and I think you know the the point you were making a minute ago about you know someone at sixty and maybe five years out from retirement, maybe they've got a, a twenty twenty five fund here like Stacy does. In her case, this was a forty one percent allocated to bonds. That's great. I mean, forty one percent for somebody at sixty, maybe that's appropriate, but maybe it's not based on her liquidity needs. How do we know that that is going to be a, an appropriate or sufficient amount of coverage? For her liquidity needs, which really feeds into our investment philosophy here at Hensler, which, of course, many of you have probably heard us say uh, or use the term 10-year rule before. And really what that is is we would rather see uh, your allocation reflective of the liquidity needs that you have. So instead of this being or, or your allocation being reflective of when you anticipate uh, retirement actually happening, if you're that close to retirement – it's really more about, okay, you're going to start needing some money from the portfolio soon, and we want to cover up to 10 years potentially of that liquidity so that you don't have to worry about equities and what the stock market's doing uh, to get the money that you need to live off of. And so, you know what, you might run a plan for Stacy here, and it looks like she needs 40% in bonds and 60% in equities based on the 10-year rule, but maybe it shows that she needs 50-50 or Maybe that, that ratio is flipped and it's 60% yeah. bonds. Yeah, you know? it could yeah. be more or less. Exactly. Could so be more it, or less. Really, the target date funds are great for that less active investor that is not going to pay attention to things at all. But if you get that close to retirement and, and are still in target date funds, you really need to take a serious look at, you know, is that appropriate based on the amount of liquidity that I need? Because you don't know in five years what the market's going to be doing. And if you don't have an appropriate amount of coverage for your liquidity, that could, it could have you really far off from where you need to be going into retirement if you want the safety uh, and, and confidence of not having to worry about the stock market. And One of the things we didn't talk about at all is she just moved from her 401k plan. It would have just a few options to an IRA wherein you can buy individual stocks, you could buy individual bonds. Yep. Uh, basically, the world is your oyster. A lot more flexibility. Right. right. When you move into a, a, a retirement account that's a personal yeah. IRA. And you're not limited to all these fund selections that 401ks and stuff typically are. Yeah. Jacob, I cut you off. You were about to no, say No, that's something. fine. That's what I was going to hit on. You yeah. know, you introduce individual stocks, you get tax loss harvesting, you can start buying higher quality bonds like CDs. Opens, opens your world up entirely. Absolutely. All right, you're listening to Money Talk. Stick around. When we come back, we'll answer some questions from our listeners. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jacob Keene and... Jarrett McKenzie, I've just been told that I'm not as woke as I thought I was. A uh, little bit, I'm reeling from the pain of that, but uh, maybe I'll get over it. Um, I guess when you're old, it's it's really pathetic when people it's hard think to stay trying woke. to be no. cool. Hard you know? to stay woke. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you got to have your coffee. Lit yeah, or fire. Yeah, I mean, which am I? Come tea. on. There, is that a scale? <laughs> it's lit, man. You're it's always lit. lit. Stay always lit. lit. Cool. <laughs> That's good Thanks. stuff. Thanks, Jacob. You're my favorite millennial, number one. Appreciate right it. Right now, I love the beard. Yeah. Thanks, man. Well, that's the way it is, right? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. thought about getting rid of it and getting oh, a mustache oh. like you, but... Yeah, well, I mean, it's... mustaches are great on a, on an old dude, but I yeah. mean, if you're young, you got to have a beard. It's true. And a Jeep. And don't ride a bird. Have, yeah. Don't no have Jeep. a Jeep. Eh, you're cool enough. Um, the beard, beard makes up for a lot. 
Okay. <laughs> All right, let's uh, talk about something more serious. Uh, if you have questions, we'd love to hear from you. Question hotline, one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. You can call and talk to a human at 770-429-9166. If you've got a financial planning question, that's where you can find Jarrett McKenzie. Call that number and ask him, uh, ask for Jarrett. Uh, he'd be happy to help you with your questions. Um, if you want to email us with your questions, Dr. Gene at Hensler.com, D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. So, guys, let's uh, answer a question or two. We got a uh, question this week from Michelle from Gainesville. I've been reading a lot more about infusion therapy for chronic and terminal illnesses. Seems Bayer and Merck uh, have good pipelines for these. Do either of these companies warrant an investment? Two good, solid, well-founded companies. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of them kind of dabbles in things that are more agriculture, but still with right. Bayer, we're getting uh, most of their revenue is coming from their health care yeah. division, uh, about 70%. Um, and then you got Merck that's pretty much a straight-up farm. Well, yeah, with with uh, Bayer, they had the uh, recent um, merger with uh, Monsanto, so it's a little bit more of that agriculture than before and of course you got all these roundup lawsuits so that's a little bit of a headwind potentially for them right um but i mean just focusing in i i guess on the question about infusion infusion therapy which if anyone's confused it's basically administration through a needle or right. a catheter right something of this nature um want to get it right into the bloodstream the, the, yeah you know instead of having you take pills where your stomach acid might upset the Efficacy of the, of right. the drug. Right, right. So um, I guess Merck has a little bit more of that than Bayer, but just quickly, you know, pushing through these. They actually have a joint venture together that's actually a, a, a somewhat uh, promising drug in pulmonary hypertension. But Bayer's basically top, their top drug is it, it's simple to understand. It's a blood thinner. Right. Uh, that should drive some pretty decent sales growth moving forward. Um it trades at 10 times earnings. Of course, you throw in the ag. It's, it's a, a, a little bit mixed as far as that looks, but right. it looks fairly cheap here with a 4% dividend. Of course, you got the risk being in Germany as opposed to you know being back here at home. And then on the Merck side, Merck is interesting because they, you know, they have some drugs that are like NuvaRing and Zadia that are going to fall off with some generic competition. Yeah, um, those are but they have this one... That's the birth, birth control. control right. They have this one monstrous blockbuster, this Keytruda. Right. It's being that's used new. in oncology, and that's where the infusion therapy would come in. And that's expected to ramp to $15 billion in sales by right. um, 2021. The only thing that kind of gives me a reservation beyond the valuation here with Merck is you look at the number of drugs that they have, it's like 100. Merck's strategy has always been... To spread their R&D around. Shotgun approach. Yeah. Put in everything. What they've done is with this key Truda in an effort to try and get more indications for it, they've blown more than half of their R&D budget just on key Truda alone. So they've put all their eggs in this basket, hoping that they get FDA approvals for more indications. And for me, that brings their risk up higher. I mean, the expectation for growth is a good bit higher than Bayer, but I don't think it justifies the stock being basically twice as expensive on a price-to-earnings yeah. basis. You're talking about 20 times earnings and a dividend yield. I think it's, I think it's what, two, 
two and a half ish. Oh uh, yeah, two point seven. Two point seven. Yeah. Uh, one so of the maybe dip your too, toe in in mer- I, I mean in bear. Right. Yeah, I think I I think if you if you look at the two. Uh, returns are much stronger. The profitability is much stronger in Merck, and and um, like you said, expectations. There's there's more debt in in the Bayer. A lot of the things, the fundamentals do point to to uh, strength. But I think when it comes to valuation, you look at the peg, which is the forward PE divided by the growth expectations. It's 108 for Bayer. Uh, it's 198. Like you said, twice yeah. as expensive. Yeah. You know, uh, for Merck, so the valuation definitely leans toward Bayer, but you yeah. got better profitability and potential growth in in uh, uh, Merck, so probably a little more risky investments. Yeah, neither is a slam dunk, but no, if you're going to pick that. one, I'm all right. Bear. <clears throat> so we got another question here from Howard Nan. Uh, we're in our early 30s, just purchased our first house. Previously, we lived in a condo owned by Howard's father. Uh, uh, Gave it to them as a rent to own after they were married. Saved nearly everything they could. Put 20% down for the home. Um, for the past five years, they've basically subscribed to the Dave Ramsey budgeting method. Uh, accrue no debt. Uh, monthly cash allowances for discretionary purchases, etc. You know, some of that I can agree with. When it comes to mortgages, we have a little bit of a different opinion. So the basic question is, we're going into this house thinking we'll pay it off as soon as possible. Uh, so that we can live debt-free. However, Howard's father thinks this is crazy. Um, Jerry, we're you, torn. Any guidance? <laughs> Jerry, you going to jump on this one before uh, I do? Yeah. yeah, there's plenty to say about this. We could do a whole show on this. But ultimately, I think it, it comes down to the fact that, you know, uh, what, probably the reason Howard's father is saying that is because, number one, h- home or mortgage debt is not necessarily bad debt. Right. It's also debt that can be borrowed at fairly cheaply rates right now. Uh, and so it's not... It's not something I think that should be considered a bad thing. If you have mortgage debt uh, at these rates, then that probably means you're able to uh, keep your liquidity, which a lot of people lose sight of. I mean, paying off the home is great. You don't have that mortgage payment, but you also don't have the cash that you'll need to one day live off of. And while you are still working and have a paycheck, uh, that can be a very meaningful thing. But most people uh, that are, are subscribing to this method and uh, are, are focused on paying down the debt, which is a good thing. That's not a bad thing, even if it's Especially good Especially if it's credit card debt. You want to oh, get absolutely. rid of that high, Depends on the rate. high That's the bad debt stuff. you do want to get rid of. Absolutely. Depends on the rate. Yes, exactly, because the cost of capital right now, borrowing from a bank is very cheap still, even at, you know, as rates have come up a little 4. bit. 4.34% is yeah, the but, 30-year mortgage rate today. And, uh, and yeah. what have equities done? Historically, uh, I mean, 10, ten to half, twelve, yeah. yeah, ten and a half since the So 1920s. if you can borrow it four, pay it off on the right. normal schedule, you're making three ten. times, right? So market. look at, think about well, it this way: the, the math works, right? That math you're just saying, but you've also got liquidity. People that you're usually talking about this with do, have never been at the point in their lives where they don't have a paycheck, other than maybe right. Social Security, right? right. So. You, you put yourself in that place where all of a sudden, not only do you not have a paycheck, you're having to live off of this account that you've always saved to and have watched go up because you've been saving, you've been investing, hopefully prudently, and you are seeing increases. Put yourself in that place where now I don't have an income and I've got to start spending down this account that I've been so adamant about not touching and it messes with people's minds. I see it all the time when they transition into retirement. And this is one of the first things that they want to do. You retire one or two million dollars. I want to pay the house off. That's a retirement goal. 
you can do that. Not a bad idea, but it's probably not the best idea because sure. you're you're going to be locking up the same income, the same capital that you'll need to live off of. And guess what? It's not going to be a very good feeling or place to be when you got, you know, let's say 500000 or a million dollars in real estate and you can't pay the light bill because you don't have yeah. any money to spend. Well, what are you going to do, sell off one of the bedrooms? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pull the right? chainsaw yeah. out? Here's the thing. you got two options. Sell it. Probably don't want to do that. Right. Or refinance it. And you're not going to know what the interest rate environment looking could like that seven. far down the road. And let's two. face it. If you've saved money and you continue to pay off your mortgage on, on the amortization schedule that was subscribed to you initially, mm-hmm. you still have that asset that if things did get tough, you could pay it yeah. you could pay it off. Right. You're not you got the money now. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Well, this is the end of our show where I ask every time, mark it up or down. Jarrett, you first. Gotta be up after the start of this week. Jacob it's been going up more up, up up. Up for me. You've been listening to Money Talks. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.